How's everybody doing today? All right. You excited? Awake? Pinch yourself. If you need to pinch yourself, go ahead and pinch yourself. Pinch your neighbor. I'm just kidding. Don't pinch your neighbor. (laughs) Unless it's like your spouse. Wake up. All right. I've got to get centered here. Sorry, I'm on your stuff right there. Okay, so today, yes, we are wanting to honor mothers, and um, the kind of what I'm going to bring with you, to bring for you today, um, it has to do with something the Lord spoke to me when I was in my mother fashion dealing with one of my children, um, so it's, it's interesting, and I have to tell you that there's a lot of stuff that I share with you, and that we share with you that's our own experience, it comes from our heart, so um, we like to mix in some of our personal life whenever we minister. So I, I'm gonna, you're probably going to find out a little bit about my children today uh, or my family. It's all, all good fun. <laughs> He's got his eyes wide open. More so the kids, honey. Um, so I, a couple weeks ago, though, my son, it was probably a Saturday, and he was walking through the house kind of like this. And he comes up to me and says, Mom, I'm bored. Have you ever heard that before? Mom, I'm bored. So with my mom, expo- my mom response, the first thing that came out of my mouth was, use your imagination. Very first thing came out of my mouth. Has anybody ever said that before? I think I remembered my mom telling me that because when we were kids, she would have specific time. Okay, you can watch television this Saturday, especially in the summertime, I remember. You can watch TV until 10 o'clock. Or either she would have us in over lunch hour, I don't remember. But at this time, the TV's going off, and you go play in your room, or you go play outside. It's designated playtime. And this was back before we had the Wiis and the Playstations. I think we did get a, we had some type of a gaming device that had the thing, a Nintendo, Atari. We started, we had an Atari. We had the Atari, but then I couldn't, I couldn't quite get the hang of the Atari. And then uh, you had the pad that you run on. You remember that? And it had the circles, and you would play the games. You know what I'm talking about? And then it had Duck Hunt. I'd plug it in. But then it didn't take me very long to just kind of get bored with those games, and I would want to go do something outside. So I was thinking about that, and I told my son, because I'm carrying on the same tradition, um, no TV at certain times. And so I said, use your imagination. Go outside. You can go do this. Upstairs we have a, a closet full of games. Play a game. Do something. Go hunt outside in the, in the yard. Um, he's got a little pellet gun, and so he likes to shoot the birds and the squirrels. Um, so I was encouraging him to use his imagination. But then I stopped, and as soon as he went out the door, the Lord spoke to me, and he says, why don't you do that? And I kind of stopped. He said, why don't you use your imagination? I thought, okay. He said, I'm serious. Use your imagination. You need to look into that. So I started to study out about imagination. And these are some of the things that I found out about imagination. First of all, the definition of imagination is the ability to form new images and sensations that are not perceived through the senses. Eyes, ears, nose, mouth, and your fingers, which you can taste or uh, what you can feel. Imagined images are seen with the mind's eye. So how many of you have used your imagination before? Every hand in this place should go up because even in your day-to-day life, you use your imagination on some level. Now, some people are a little bit more skilled at using their imagination. I've got a great example for you. My daughter is excellent at using her imagination. 
she goes out on the back porch and one day we had, it was no TV time and she comes back downstairs. She said, I'll be right back. I'm going outside. She comes back downstairs. She's got a stroller. She's got about eight baby dolls and bears and she takes all the camping chairs in the back and she sets them all up on the back porch and then she got all the reading material she could find from her kindergarten class and she sets a bear in each chair and gives it a book and then she's got, she is all, she's doing school. She's teaching back there and she's remembering what she's seen and then she's also throwing in her, her own little edge to it. And then another thing she likes to do, she takes her, ho- her bike, which is her horse. And this started probably in January. She's, she's very excited about getting a horse. She knows she's going to get one soon. Her dad's promised her a horse. So she had her horse, and she took a bungee cord that she found out of the garage, and she's pulling that bike. But she had it bungee cord to the wrong area of the bike to where the tire would always go to the right. So we came outside one time, and I said, what's wrong? And she goes, I can't get my horse to walk straight. <laughs> so I took the bungee cord, and I hooked it closer down by the tire to where it would just kind of pull, and she could pull it straight. And so she had her certain areas over in the garage that was like the preparation stables, and then she had like the doctor part over by the roses in the courtyard. That's where if a horse was sick, she would take her horse over there. And then she had the stables where they sleep at night, and she had gotten a hairbrush and she would pretend to brush that bike, and she would just talk to that bike. It was so sweet. And then she had me come outside. This was probably over uh, spring break or um, around Mardi Gras time when they were out of school. She had the horse, and the horse was in the garage, and she got my bike and pulled it right upside next to it. And so she wanted me to play with her. And so I said, okay, what are we going to do? And she said, I want you to come stand over here, and I want you to announce. And I can't, I think her horse's name was Sparkle at that time. She said, I want you to announce. Say, and now introducing Ansley riding Sparkle. And she would shoot out of the garage, and she would make a big lap around the driveway and come right back, and I had to cheer for her like it was a horse show. And so then she would do the same thing for me, and she named my horse, it was Bubbles or something, I don't remember. And so we had lots of fun. But some people are a little bit more creative and imaginative than others. And have you noticed that it always tends to be children? Maybe you were like that when you were young. Maybe you've lost your, your little edge on your imagination. Well, today I hope I spark something in you to bring that back. I'm going to show you some things in um, scientific research today and also just things in the Word of God, how they correlate. God wants you to use your imagination. Um, some facts about imagination. Progressive Scientific research is due largely to provisional explanations which are developed by imagination. Scientific research today could not go on without men and women who sit there and they have a problem or they have an idea and then they take mental steps, images in their mind. They sit there and they imagine how could they make it better? How could they they create something that would change this problem? What would happen if we didn't have people in in the scientific and medical field that use their imagination on how to come up with cures for or antibiotics for uh, diseases that we have? That all stemmed from somebody using their imagination. Memory. Oh, this is really good. Memory, long-term memory. Thank you. And imagination affect one another. They both stimulate the same part of the brain. There are studies that show people who use their imagination more have a stronger uh, long-term memory base. And the long-term memory, those memories are rooted even deeper inside the brain. That's where the imagination comes from, is deep inside the brain. So you start imagining more, it's going to help your long-term memory boost it up a little bit. How many of you would like that? I'll raise my hand. 
I need to get the imagination turned on. They're developing programs for students now to cultivate and enhance their creative abilities. Why? Because they see the benefit. If they can get these kids to stay being creative at a young age, it's going to set a pattern and it's going to help their long-term memory to develop and, and be strong all throughout their life. Got to turn off the video games. Let's move on. Visualization techniques for athletes. How many of you, man, I wanted to talk to Jacob about this. I was curious to know if they ever do that in football practice, if they ever have you sit down and like visualize the plays or do anything like that. Golf. Kevin was telling me there's a couple of golf, uh, golf people who he likes to watch who will stand there. And I think I remember Keegan Bradley. I remember watching, I think I asked him one time, what is he doing? He takes forever to putt. But when I found out his strategy, he's standing there. He gets up to the angle where he's looking at the ball and he's looking at the hole and he closes his eyes or his eyes kind of roll back into his head and he is imagining his shot. He's imagining the stroke. He's imagining the club, the face of the club hitting the ball at just the right speed, at just the right angle. He's seeing the ball go into the hole. And nine times out of ten, he makes it happen. Well, here they have a, a for, they do visualization techniques for athletes now. Uh, it's a process of creating mental images or an intention of what you want to happen or what you want to feel. And it works. It gives them a competitive edge, renewed mental awareness. How many of you like renewed mental awareness? Come about five o'clock after work, you need some renewed mental awareness. Maybe you need to kick in the imaginative side of your brain right there. Heightened sense of well-being, confidence. They're saying just because these kids use this visual, their imagination, to see what they want to happen, that it actually builds up confidence on the inside of them. Research on imagery used by injured athletes and cancer patients, those in physical rehab, has shown positive outcomes like increased rate of healing. Fascinating. Just because at cancer patients... Injured athletes, they see, they said in one study that they visualize the bones growing back together. They visualize torn muscles being woven back together, and they said that it increases the rate of healing. It increased their ability to cope with therapy. Therapy can be tough, but they see the benefit. They see something happening. They're using their imagination. They're more motivated. It improves their mood. Decreases post-op pain and anxiety, reduces hospital time, decrease on their pain meds, they don't have to take as much medication, healing time's quicker, it's amazing, um, and my own personal experience I want to share with you, sorry, my mouth gets dry, I have to get some water, my own personal experience, something that happened to me probably six to eight months ago, um, I, had, I, I was dealing with something, I had a um, physical ailment, and I had gone to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I am tired of this. I am ti- I'm just tired of it. I know that you don't want me to be sick in my body, and it wasn't anything huge, but it was just annoying. Have you ever just been sick or had something wrong with your body, and it's just annoying? It's like, pull it together. The Word of God says I don't have to be sick, and I believe that to my very core. Why is it still here? The Lord said, use your imagination. And then he showed me a picture. I saw my physical body like an outline, a silhouette of me. And right in the inside of me, right in the middle, right here, there was this bright light just glowing and beaming. And he said, that is the power of God living on the inside of you. 
What are you going to do with it? And for years, I believe in healing. And, and God has healed me in the past from asthma and allergies. I used to have to take uh, $600 worth of medication uh, a month before we got married. And, and I, I don't have to take any of that medication anymore. I was over a process. So God has healed me in my physical body. So I've, I have high faith in the healing area. But this was just some, some small thing that was just irritating me. And I just went to the Lord and said, this is irritating. And I'm tired of it. Like I finally got mad enough to put my foot down and say, quit. And he showed me that picture, that bright light. And he says, now what are you going to do with it? So he showed me that bright light's the power of God living on the inside of me. And because Jesus lives in me, I have the authority to tell that power to go and to move and to do whatever I need it to do to heal this physical body. And I thought, man, I have known for years that Jesus lives in me. He's given me authority. He died on the cross. I have authority to speak and, and things have to change. Situations have to change. But I did not see I did not see. All of a sudden, he showed me this picture, and it was clear, night is night, clear as night is day, night and day, that I have this power living in me, and I don't have to say, God, I need you to heal me. He's already given me what I need. I just have to use my mouth now, use my authority to tell the power of God that's living on the inside of me. I'm sick of that, and right now, I'm commanding you to go to that area of my body and to heal it, a healing and a cure right now from the inside out. And you know what? All of a sudden, I got so happy. I knew right where I was in, in my bedroom whenever he spoke that to my heart, and he showed me that picture. And I felt different right at that moment.
from the inside out. And within three days, completely gone. Within three days. And since then, it's tried to, I've had other things that have kind of tried to bother me. Same thing. I speak, and the power of God, boom, it'll happen. Brings healing in my body. So I can testify that. Now, for somebody else's body, it takes, you know, their will. You can pray for somebody, but they have to have the want to and the desire, and their faith has to be at that level on the inside of them. But for yourself, and it's not just because, not just because I'm, I'm Kevin's wife, not because I went to Bible college. If you're saved, you have Jesus living in you. You have that same power that raised Jesus from the dead on the inside. You have authority to open your mouth and to speak and command it to go and to heal whatever you need. All right, I just want to look real quick at three, uh, a case study. I'm going to do all three. Really interesting, though. All right, 1992, Ann Isaac. She tested 78 trampolinists. Really interesting. 78 people who were great or not so great at jumping on the trampoline, and she put them into two groups. Go back to science class here, everybody. You had an experimental group and a control group. And she had some beginners and some excellent jumpers in the experimental group. And in the control group, she had some beginners and some excellent jumpers. And over a six-week period of time, she taught them three different skills on the trampoline. And whenever they would have a training session for two and a half minutes, they would learn this new skill all together. And then for the next five minutes, the experimental group would go and sit in a corner and they would mentally imagine themselves doing that skill for five minutes while the control group would go and do puzzles. They would use their mind and they would do some problem-solving math or put puzzles together. And then they would come back together and have two and a half more minutes of actual physical practice. And over a six-week period of time, it was amazing what she, what she saw. She said that the experimental group blew the control group out of the water. And then those who were already expert jumpers, who are already really familiar with the trampoline, exceeded even farther above that. So they're saying that physical practice and using your imagination can help you to do anything that you need to do. And then there was another um, really interesting study about golfers. They had 39 beginner golfers, I know, 39 beginner golfers, and they had three sessions, they just had three practice, and it was just one skill of hitting the ball, and they also had three different groups, control groups and an experimental group, and it showed that the motivation of the ones that spent time imagining, uh, their motivation was raised. It said that the imagery group had more realistic self-expectation, and they set higher goals to achieve. And they adhered to more training programs outside of the experiment. So they wanted to go on with it. They raised their motivation just by using their imagination. Really interesting. Also, that's right, also um, George Washington Carver. How many of you have heard of him? George Washington Carver, he had all the, the peanut. He took the peanut and made over 300 uses just from the peanut. 300 uses, and hundreds more uses for soybeans, pecans, and sweet potatoes. He said that most people think about many things all day long. I think about just one thing all day long. So he'd sit there, and he'd think about that peanut, and he'd imagine all the different ways he could take it apart, all the components that are in that peanut. What could I use this for? How can it benefit? How can it uh, do this? What problems do I have that need to be solved? He would take and use that peanut. Imagine. Imagine. 
amazing. So the imagination is part of your soul. We have a body. Everybody pinch your body. One more time. Pinch your neighbor. Gently. Or high five or something. Just make sure everybody's listening. That's your body. We have a soul. That's our mind, our will, and our emotions. And the imagination is part of your mind. So your imagination is part of your soul. And then you have a spirit, or you are a spirit. So I am a spirit. I have a soul, my mind, will, and emotions, and I live in a body. We're made of three parts. The first thing I want to go over, uh, what does the word say about imagination? The first one is that it gives you access. Your imagination will give you access into things that you can't otherwise get in unless you use your imagination. In Genesis 11, God said there is nothing impossible that they have imagined to do. So the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Nothing will be restrained from them. The English Standard Version says that, um, Behold, they are all one people, and they have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they'll do. And nothing that they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Nothing that they purpose to do. They use their imagination for a purpose. A lot of times we think that imagination is just for daydreaming and we scold or correct people for doing it when actually your imagination can be used for the glory of God. It can be used on the job site. How can you do better? How can you do more? How can you be more efficient and more effective? Sometimes we need to actually schedule time to sit there and to use our mind and to imagine how can we do things in a different way to be better? How can we use our imagination for a purpose? The Hebrew there actually says that nothing will be inaccessible to them. Nothing will be inaccessible. Nothing can be inaccessible to you when you dare to use your imagination. Let God take over. Use your imagination. Nothing's inaccessible to you. The second thing I want to tell you is prepare it. And you can also put and guard it. You have to prepare your imagination. You have to guard your imagination. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Prepare your mind. King James says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end of... And hope uh, to the end for the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Right there, if you look it up, the Greek word, the Greek for having girded up means to brace up, to brace something. If I'm going to brace something, if I'm going to brace right this pole, if it was a wall, I'm going to kind of prepare my feet. I'm going to put my hip into it because I know i got some power there. I'm going to put my shoulder into it and i got got a wide stance. I'm bracing when you're on the defensive line and you know they're about to, about to come at you. Is that right? Defensive line? Offensive. You're offensive. And the defensive people, <laughs> Jacob's helping me out up there. You're on the offensive line and you're trying to pr- protect the guy behind you with the ball. You know they're coming. Are you just going to stand there like this? Come on. You better get down, right? You better get down. To me, I don't know. I think I would put one leg back. Is that what they do? Put one hand on the ground, and you better have some shoulder pads on, right? 
and a helmet. You better brace up. You have to brace up your imagination. Brace your mind. You better get it ready. There's going to need to be some support around it because something could be coming your way. They would use this word when they were talking about uh, men in a tunic who maybe were going to, um, going to play or going to go, they had to run. They would take that skirt thing, and they would take it in between their legs, they'd pull it up and they'd tuck it in their belt. So now they're ready to move. It says prepared for action, prepared to move quickly. You need to brace up your imagination and your mind so that when something comes, you're prepared mentally to move, to make decisions that you need to make. The word loins means creative capacity of the renewed mind. So right here, he was talking to Christians. He's talking to people that are saved. This is for us. We want to brace up our imagination or brace up the creative capacity of our renewed mind. I got to brace it. And then verse 14, he kind of tells you why you need to brace it. It says, so you must live as God's obedient children This is a new living. It says, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know better then. Now you do. So one reason why you need to brace up your mind, your imagination, is so that you don't slip back to the way you were before you knew Jesus. So you don't slip back to the way you were yesterday. Maybe. Matthew 6, 22 and 23. It says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust and your ignorance. Oh, no, no, sorry. I was reading verse 14. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if the eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. So right there, your eye, the Greek word's actually talking about, if you look it up in the Greek, it says the mind's eye. He's talking specifically in this passage about your imagination, about your mind. Specifically, though, your imagination, your mind's eye. King James says, If the light of the body is the eye, therefore thine eye be single. So he's talking about if your eye is healthy or single or clear. Those are all what he says right there. It means without having a double agenda. And the reason why this is so important, the reason why I really wanted to talk to you about this today, and I kind of tried to steer away from it. I was kind of like, Lord, you really want me to talk about imagination? I think people are going to look at me funny when I stand there and say, use your imagination. Remember what your mom told you when you were a kid. But no, he said, this is important. Because right here, this will help tie some of this together for you if you're not sure where I'm going. Right here, he's talking about where it says healthy or single or clear. He's talking about not having a secret double agenda. The thing is, if you don't control, if you don't brace up your imagination and your mind, there's no accountability to anyone else on what's going on in your head. So if you don't control, if you don't guard what's going on in your thought life, it can lead to your very own destruction, to your very own demise. Because I don't know what you're thinking. I hear the words that are coming out of your mouth, and I see the actions that you may be doing. And a lot of times we get really good at putting on a good show. But sometimes we can fortify our mind because we're embarrassed, and we don't want anybody to know the thoughts that we have going on in our head. You get to that point, the devil will beat you over the head with shame and guilt and think, well, I I know what she said about healing, that I have authority, but you're dealing with all this shame and guilt. You don't even feel like you can open up your mouth to speak and command the power of God to heal a part of your body because you're dealing with too much shame. 
So there's times in your life where, and times in my life where I know there's been times when everything looked good, even to him, everything looked great. But there were times when I went up to him because he holds me accountable and I hold him accountable. And I told him, I said, look, I'm really dealing with some things here. I've, re- I've got some thoughts going through my head that I don't like. And it was hard. There's one time I went to him, I remember telling him, I've been thinking uh, about quitting, you know, quitting this or quitting that. Or I've been, I have had a lot of fear about this. And yet I stand up on Sunday morning and preach, don't have fear, don't have fear. And yet I feel like I cannot tackle this by myself. So I would tell him, I said, I need your prayers. First of all, I need you to pray for me. He prayed for me right there instantly. And then he was continually giving me positive encouragement, giving me the word and being a support for me. I was not able to brace it up myself. So I had to go and look for some help to get some support and some more brace, some more strength. And this is so important. And so many times I think in this day and age, people get embarrassed and ashamed and afraid because they don't want to talk about thoughts that they had in their head or imaginations that have come. But if you don't get control of this, if you don't get control of this, The mind works to a person's own undoing when it operates apart from the light of God's word. Your mind will work against you. It will work to your own undoing. You start pulling away. You start thinking you're not worthy to come to church. You start thinking you're not even good enough to crack that Bible open at home. You feel like you can't, what am I, why am I even doing this? You're so heavy with guilt and shame. Will you get that, that charbonner for me? Yeah, I got something I want to show you. Kevin had a ladder, but I got something cooler. <laughs> it's actually mine, and I love it. It is. So I told him to buy it. <laughs> Put on your hat. All right, I'm going to read this scripture when you get that out. Hebrews 4.12. I don't think I... Oh, I did get that one on there. Okay, good. In the Amplified, it says, For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, the word is active, operative, the word is operative, energizing and effective, and it is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, which he's talking about your soul and the immortal spirit. It can divide your soul and your spirit and joints and marrow of the deepest part of your nature exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and the purposes of our heart. Now, the reason why this is so important, the word of God is your standard. You have to always measure your thoughts, measure your actions, measure your decisions against the word of God. Right here, he's saying the word is so strong that it can divide and make clear decisions that you make with your soul and your emotions and your feelings or decisions that you make being led by the spirit of God. Does that make sense? How many of you have ever made emotional decisions before? And then you thought later, what in the world did I do that? So I just felt like it. Don't do that. Many times it will get you in trouble. Don't make decisions based on your feeling because your feelings change at the drop of a hat. How many of you felt different this morning when you got out of bed and you feel different right now? Oh, y'all just just being like thank you thank you thank you I know this is interactive here we're supposed to go back and forth and share that's right so your feelings don't let your feelings lead you so it it can define the soul and the spirit there's there's no tool there's no 
rehab program. There's no, and there's some good stuff out there, some good tools. No pill that you can take that's going to help you divide your soul from your spirit. And because we are a spirit being, we have a soul, and we live in a body, we need to become very familiar with what our body is, what it says when you're hungry, and yet you know you're not supposed to eat that because your cholesterol level's high, or our soul just because we feel good, or being led by your spirit. You need to know the three. Will you get that thing for me? Oh, okay. Okay, so this right here, we've got a sharpener. Boy, this thing's cool. We watched a video and everything. It's, yes. Well, I, yes. It's amazing. You want me to do it? Yes, I do want you to do it. Uh, well, can I infomercial it? <laughs> Give me like a 15 second of what it's doing here. Well, as you can see here, this particular sharper, 10 seconds. <laughs> you don't have to know the angle of the blade. It has a built-in angler for you. And because, just give me five more seconds. Because it's a belt and not a stone, it wraps around the edge. Super. Okay, let's see. So he's very excited about it. Okay, so he's got a, a dull knife. It's going to be great for the audio. Okay, yeah, this old house, here we go. Okay, so as he's doing that, I want to tell you there's times when you're going to take the word of God and you're going to use it to sharpen or to hone your mind or your imagination. That's good. Because it's going to take some pressure. Right there, he's having to put the knife in and he has to tilt it a certain way. And there's a rubbing, there's some friction because that stuff's like sandpaper. It's got different grit. It's got different belts that you put it on. Is I saying all that right? Different belts that you put on that will sharpen it different depending on what kind of knife that you have or sword. You could like sharpen a samurai sword with that thing. That's what they said in the video. But it will sharpen it. But there is some friction going on. So there's going to be times, I'm warning you right now, there's going to be times when you open your Bible and God's going to try and hone and try and sharpen and try and make some adjustments maybe in your thinking or in the motives and intents of your heart and what you purpose in your heart. And it may feel a little rough. It may feel like he's kind of chastising you or he's getting on to you a little bit. But it's okay because he's sharpening you for something that's coming ahead. I don't want to stay dull. As much as it may be a little uncomfortable, a little bit painful sometimes to make the correction, to make the adjustment, to make the change, and it takes some time. If you have a really dull knife, it's going to take quite a few swipes on that thing to get it just the way that you want it. So maybe in your life, if there's some areas that you are dull in, it's okay. You don't have to stay dull. You get out the word of God and you get scriptures containing or concerning the subject that, that you're trying to deal with, the matter that you're facing, the area of life, whatever it is, that situation, I promise you, I promise you, there's scriptures that will help you in that particular area of your life. And all of us in here are dull in one area. There may be something you're really sharp at, but you're dull in another area. 
And that's okay. And over time, the thing about a knife, you have to continue sharpening it, right? Because you're using it. You're doing what it was purposed for. So God put you here for a reason. And you may be smack dab in the middle of the will of God doing what he has purposed you to do. And yet there will still be times when you will start to get a little dull because God is really using you. But he intended you to stay plugged in to the word of God, to stay plugged into his presence, to stay plugged into him, because that's how you remain sharp. That's how you keep your edge. Vanderbilt University called it the mental edge. That's what they use for their athletes. There is a mental edge when you stay in the word of God that will keep you prepared for anything that comes ahead. Because God knows the end from the beginning. He knows right where you are. He knows what's right around the corner. He knows how to keep you sharp. All right, the last thing I want to leave you with, never let your imagination run wild. Never let. This may go against something that you've heard before, but I'm going to tell you why, and this will make perfect sense. Never, 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 never. Circle this. If you don't go away with anything else, remember this. Never let your imagination run wild because your imagination is part of your soul, and your soul is not renewed Your soul is not saved like your spirit is saved. It has to be daily renewed with the word of God. So your soul needs sharpening constantly. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. So even it's good to get creative and let your imagination go, but you should always keep it in check to a certain point. Always keep it in check. Always measure it against the word of God. One example, real quick, my own personal life. Um, Kevin's dad. Um, Kevin's dad went to be with the Lord in, t- in 2010. I was thinking about this. Just made my heart happy. I just love him. And there were times, and we had been, Lord, we had been in ministry for 10 years at that point, grounded in the Word of God, it's rock solid. I'm steady. But man, there was a challenging period that I went through when he passed. I remember going in the bathroom and shutting the door and a wave of emotion would come over me just and, and tears would just fall and I could not stop it. And I remember thinking, I have never experienced anything like this before. And I have no, I feel like I have no control over this right now. I have no control over my emotions. So I would take a second with the door closed and I would get it all out until I'm like, okay, we are reining this back in right now. I had to get control back over my emotions. So there may be times when your emotions or your imagination really go out there, but there's always got to be a time where you rein it back in using the word of God because this great sadness overcame me. I remember this great sadness, but yet I I would purpose in my heart. I said, I'm not staying here. I'm not staying sad down here because I know where he is. I know that when he got to get up on the uh, church platform and he gave his testimony, his brother came down and recommitted his life to the Lord. His best friend came down and recommitted his life to the Lord and then to see Kip talk about the joy that he had seeing his brother come down when he was given the altar call he was standing up there himself he was thrilled man man he was thrilled and knowing now that him and his brother are both in heaven together rejoicing 
So I would be down here. My emotions and my feelings were, were sad, but I had to get a grip on it and say, I'm not staying there. And then I would have to take scriptures that says, you know, by Jesus' stripes, he was healed. Just maybe healed in a different way. But he's not sick anymore. I know where he is. We are not like those without hope. I have hope. I know that I'm going to see him again. Because feelings and thoughts of, well, my children are not going to get to know him the way that I did. And anger would start to rise up in my heart and I would be mad. I would be frustrated because I want them to know him. But then God would bring comfort to my heart and say, they will know him. They will know him in the full light of how I truly created him when they get to heaven. So then I'd have to remind myself and I have to speak to myself. I had to look myself in the mirror and talk to myself to rein my soul back in. Ephesians 4, 17. So, so I tell you this. And insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. One translation says, in the vanity of mind. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves, they did this, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. The New Living says they have no sense of shame, and they live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. If you don't get control over your mind and over your imagination, it will ruin you. That's what happened to these people here. It says they gave themselves over to that because they didn't know how to brace up. They didn't know how to rein their soul back in. Second Corinthians 10.5 says that we destroy every obstacle, every proud obstacle that keeps us from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Or King James says, casting down imaginations. There are some imaginations that will come to you that you may come up with or the devil may bring a thought. Doesn't mean you have to think on it. You say, I'm not thinking about that. I refuse to think about that. I'm already teaching my six and my eight-year-old this. Those silly thoughts come of you being mean because somebody was mean to you. We're not going to be like that. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I explained it to my kids this way. I said, every thought that you have, you handcuff it and you take it captive. You capture it. It's your prisoner. Now you take it and you measure it. You stand it up against the word of God. And you say, do you line up with the word of God? Yes, you do. Okay, you may enter. You may, you may go. You do not know. You're out. You take every thought captive. And this is something that we have to do personally. Your pastor cannot do this for you. Take every thought captive. There's a... Um, there's a counseling center that they have that is for, um, they use it for athletes in Jacksonville. And uh, they use visual Im image, images, visual imagery is what they call it. Uh, they teach that as one of their psych psychology techniques. And they, they say that it helps reduce performance anxiety, your nerves, deals with mental trauma that's been sustained during 
or uh, after an injury. And recurrent past images of terrible performances. Like you double faulted at match point or you missed the winning touchdown. People have great anxiety and are greatly disturbed over this. They have these images that replay over and over in their mind. And they just can't let it go. Well, maybe today you face something like this. Maybe there's something in your past and it is just reoccurring over and over in the images that you see. A point where you may have tremendously dropped the ball, so to speak. You have missed the mark in your life and you just can't seem to let it go. Or maybe you have sustained some type of mental trauma from an injury, maybe a physical injury, maybe somebody hurt your heart. It could be a, a spouse or a loved one, somebody hurt your heart, and you've sustained some mental trauma. You can get past that today. I want to pray with you today. I want everybody to close their eyes for a minute, because maybe you're at that point. Maybe it's the person right next to you. We want to deal with this, because God has given us authority to be able to do this. And it's not just me, but it's you. When you leave here today, that's why I give you notes. That's why I give you scriptures. You take this home and it's not just to look at while you're here, but you take it home and you open your Bible on your own time and you go over this. You can get, get if you need any specific notes, you can get them off the website. We'll upload this. But with our imagination right now, when everybody close their eyes, and for me, I see pictures. When I use my imagination, I always see pictures. Some people, they'll see words. Or you may see something different. But with your own imagination right now, I want you to see maybe that thing in your life where you've sustained great mental trauma, that accident or that injury, that thing in your life that you would consider, at that point in my life, I was injured in my heart. I was injured in my mind. I want you to see that right now. And right now, I want you to see the blood of Jesus just covering that situation. If it's a physical part of your body, I want you to see the blood of Jesus just covering the physical part of your body right now. If it's your heart, maybe your heart is heavy, or emotions and feelings that you have, you just have trauma going on in there. Right now, God wants to bring healing. And he can do it through your imagination. Your imagination right now, hooking up with the word of God. That's your platform. The Word of God is our base, is our platform. And we let our imagination run with the Word of God. Right now, Father, I thank you for healing in our hearts. Healing in our mind. I thank you, Father. Maybe, maybe there's lots of mental trauma in here. Lord, you see that. So right now, as we use our imagination to see, see yourself moving past that. You see that event in your life. And now I want you to see yourself 10 15 years past that completely happy completely healthy completely healed maybe you have an event in your life where you just can't get past it there's great shame that you keep playing over in your imagination shame or guilt of something that you did and yeah you did it but God freely wants to forgive you this morning if you are truly repentant in your heart this morning, God forgives you, but you need to forgive yourself. So right now, I thank you, Father. We give those things to you. I want you to see that event right now, whatever it is where you missed it, where you messed up, and I just want you to lift it up to God and say, God, I give this to you. I refuse to carry it. 
I refuse to carry this image anymore. I'm letting you have it and I'm letting go of it. And you may have to do this more than once. You may have to do it every day for a while. You may have to do it more than once a day. Sometimes we carry things, we hold on to them, and it takes a little while for us to learn how to let go. But you repeatedly keep lifting it up to God and say, God, I give this to you. I refuse to worry about it. Worry's trying to come on me. Shame's trying to come on me. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I give this to you, God, and I will not carry it anymore. I will not worry or have shame about that. I forgive myself. Say that. If you need to say it, say it. I forgive. Everybody in here, just say it. Say, I forgive myself. Forgive myself. God forgives you. He forgives you. You're forgiven. So we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you, Father, that today... We see that we can use our soul and our spirit in one accord to bring about the perfect will of God in our life. We see how to use our mind and our imagination for the glory of God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that we don't want to forget about this. We ask you to replay this over and over in our mind. This week, from this day forward, we're not going to think that imagination is just child's play. But we see it's tremendously powerful. And you've given us our imagination for a reason.